This episode of the podcast was recorded over two weeks. If you caught the last one I had with Ashmiel, aka Devin Devine, back when I did the ISTA Level 1 training, I believe the title episode was uh, Spiritual Sexual Shamanic Experience. Um, we ended up doing Level 2 together, and we ended up doing a very similar type of podcast where we recorded our thoughts going into it, and then our thoughts two weeks afterwards. So you can actually maybe see how I have changed from both the workshop and and my integration week. We did a little mushrooms in between also, which we cover and how that affected me and the theme of the workshop and also the theme of what I've been feeling at this stage in some ways is what we could call a spiritual death. So I'll let you figure out what that means. Right now you're listening to episode 049, Spiritual Death featuring Ashmiel. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. Well, I was just saying. Yeah, it's harder to love someone when they're sticks, when they're going to be around and possibly love you back. Yeah, I it just goes back into like I told you like like during the full moon like a few weeks ago, I released this huge armory blockage, and it was about fear of betrayal, so protecting my heart, and um, because a stranger can't betray you. Stranger can't betray me, yeah. you know, and I don't care about them, and I know they don't love me back, so yeah. there's no harm in me loving them, so I'm not afraid to love, I'm just afraid to be loved, <laughs> and, and it's like it's in my comfort zone to love someone who doesn't love me back, it's uncomfortable, so then, so then what I end up doing is that I end up projecting whatever it is about me, making like seeing them as, oh, I can't like you, this person. Mm. Or in the past, at least. I mean, I, that's been challenged a lot lately. Like the last person that I dated was very narcissistic. And I there was aspect of me that was going into caretaking. But then there was yeah. also this aspect of me that was coming into my power. Yeah. And like it was some like, part of you was like, uh, what am I doing? Yeah, I was like, why, why am I putting up with this? This is so one-sided and like, yeah. wrong. And I could see that clearly. Yeah. And so now, you know, it's like when I meet someone where I feel this potential where there's a connection on like all these different levels, I'm like, you know, it's like I will dance naked in front of people and give healings, like no problem, no big deal. Like people I don't know, but if it's like someone that I feel like there might, it might be like a, something that's significant, then I'm like, <laughs> get all freaked out. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so this morning I was right. So like two days ago or a while ago, I started writing this thing about how about women letting men in on different levels, like obviously in their yoni, but also like in their home. Like that also feels like an accomplishment for a man. I, I don't know mm. if you can, you probably can't. I don't know. Yeah, like, I think. Yeah. But, then, but then like the thing that is like most that doesn't get talked about, but that's like most significant is like when a woman lets you enter your heart, like every man knows this, like, you just feel like you're the king of the world. Like, yeah. like even, like, Jerry Seinfeld had a thing on this, like, when a woman loves you, you can, like, take over anything. Like, you just, when you, you so I was thinking about that, and I've been trying to write this thing, I couldn't, like, figure out, like, what my point was, and then after the, the thing we did yesterday, I kind of, like, got into my head, it's like, oh, like, when you're let into a heart space, it's like the, it's like the thing that men are missing that they can only get from women. Yeah. And I kind of, that kind of like clicked during that session yesterday. Okay. So, so that's really interesting because that you say 
But that's the one thing that, like, a man can't do for himself is, like... Or he can't even get from other men. Yeah. And for women, what I've realized for myself, as I've become really independent and, like, shed most of the layers of codependency and, like, you know, I feel financially stable, I feel able to go anywhere in the world, take care of myself, like, my career is, like, you know, it's, like, getting really exciting, but I can't manhandle myself, like fuck myself you know i can can't I wrestle pleasure, yourself yeah i can't wrestle myself i can't like i go to the gym i like you know all that stuff and i pleasure i have no shame around like pleasuring myself sexually it's not the same as like having a masculine presence like take ownership of me like yeah. like dominate me not necessarily dominate but just like yeah but like contain yeah. me I yeah, guess. yeah 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 i was thinking about this because like um it's like Joseph Campbell talks about the secondary father. It's like for a man, you have your primary father, hopefully, but then you don't become a man until you seek out, like, the secondary mentor that will, like, teach you how to be the man you want to be. And I was thinking, like, no one talks about the secondary mother. Like, a man kind of needs to seek out feminine expressions that are different than the mommy that raised him. Right. In order to feel complete. And maybe mother's not the best thing because it could be your lover. Yeah, and it shouldn't take a mother. Be, yeah, but it's like a secondary, like, woman that complements the man you actually want to be, which... Well, it softens his decision-making, right? Yeah. Because, like, I mean... Like, adds em yeah. empathy to his masculinity. Yeah. Well, I think, like, so when I was really young and insecure, I was only attracted to women that were like my mom. It's like, small Asian women. <laughs> and my mom's not demure, but I was kind of, like, attracted to that. And I noticed, like, now the type of women I've been drawn to are very different than my mom. And I think it's like, it was like my growth into like a, like a real person as opposed to like the molds that, I don't know if this is true for everybody. This is what I'm pondering right now. And I think like, that's like a level of healing or completion that people need that you can only get from the opposite sex if you're straight at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of issues with my father growing up and I think I subconsciously like seek that out in men even though it was dysfunctional yeah that's like the definition of daddy issues exactly yeah. like I had daddy issues and I had to keep reliving those and my point of attraction has shifted dramatically from the dysfunction into like you know it has to be kind of like for me I'll just own it for myself like it had to be like really in my face uh -huh. of how fucked up it was uh-huh to see it and be like, wait, I, let me, let me just like find my center and make a choice for myself of what I want mm -hmm. and to really dig in. Like, why do I like this? I don't like it, but I'm addicted to it or I'm attracted to it. Yeah. And then realize like, this is actually some, a big thing that I wanted to make a video with you about is attraction. What is attraction? Because we automatically think if we're attracted to someone or something that it's good or it's right. But it might actually just, might not even be you. It might just be a pattern in your yeah. energy. You try to complete your childhood. Yeah, so it's like a pattern, and someone else has another piece of the puzzle in their system. And it's dysfunctional. It's, it's ass backwards. But it's like you're both trying to work something out together. That would be the definition of, like, quote-unquote karmic relationship, which I don't really like putting labels on. Like, we're all teaching each other something. It doesn't. The labels don't really matter. But my points of attraction, I would say, mm -hmm. have been turning around into a really beautiful thing. But it's when I reach those edges, like, 
letting someone in deeper to love me back. And yeah. I'm like, Ooh. It's like you were saying this last night on how um, being called a bad girl is kind of boring. Or it's like, like, it's, it's, like, it's, like passe. Like, it's like not it's, exciting. It's like, it's yeah. like, yeah. So, but to many women, that's like the edge. And that's why it's so hot. Because to be called a bad girl or like something. Like, ooh, funny. like get validation for, ooh, I'm being yeah. a bad girl. Like I don't actually have to be bad for being yeah. bad. I can be bad and it's like a good thing. Yeah, but whatever it is, it's like, it's like, that's an edge for someone, it's not, it's so like, not for you, so it's like, not a turn on, <laughs> yeah. but you have an edge, which maybe in a year will be passe again, yeah, exactly. so it's kind of like that with, like, dating narcissists, or everything. Yeah, now the thought of dating narcissists is like, ugh, like, why would I want that? Yeah, boring. Yeah, but before I would equate it as like, oh, that's like the bad boy thing, it's mm -hmm. like oh, you know, someone that's going to leave me or betray me or not meet my needs. Like, it's like, kept creating this sense of longing, you know, you the think, longing that I had with my father to get validation for, you know, like, I had to do something in order to get validation from him. Yeah, do you think it's also a part of you that wanted to be more narcissistic? Hmm. Clarify. Like, there's a, maybe a part of you that wanted, it's like, so... In knowing you over on Media Plus and seeing how you've changed, at least like in outer image and like how you express yourself, I was telling you yesterday, like it's like you are more there you putting it like wanting you know, it, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I could see someone else like judging you and be like, oh, she's so like full of herself. <laughs> and I wonder if like prior to you owning this part of yourself you judging the narcissist you date or being drawn to people like that because you kind of wanted a piece of it you wanted that you wanted like more yeah maybe you I wanted was, to own a piece of it yeah. i was like yeah just like not giving a fuck like taking what i wanted yeah yeah maybe there was something in that that i wanted to attract to like i it was my only way of like i didn't really understand what it meant to receive like receive a gift like i didn't receive gifts as a child uh -huh. like we didn't celebrate holidays so I would see these narcissists just taking what they wanted and not seemingly not having any consequences for it. Yeah. And just, and I think there was something about that that I was envious of. Like, yeah. How can they just like have these great lives and like not really have that much regard for the people around them? What am I missing? I felt like I'm just groveling for crumbs. Yeah. <laughs> or just yeah. like putting their power in a way that's like kind of like way overboard. So maybe, yeah, there was a part of that that I was trying to understand. Because yeah, you see this a lot, like, at least I see it, you do on some level, like, when you post something sexual online, and people, the people who judge you are the most, like, craving. Yeah. In their lives. Yeah, I was yeah. actually just reflecting on people in the past where, like, I've gotten, reached certain levels of being able to receive and, like, be in my sexual health, just enjoy the smells of flowers and food and just be like, oh, yeah, and, like, you know, wear clothing that I feel makes me feel pretty, like put on makeup, not in a way where I'm kind of covering something up, but just like, just lavishing, like adoring. And people are like asking for what I wanted and people who weren't able to receive, perceiving me as selfish. And, um, or stuck up or vain. And that's been a big thing for me too, is like, being able to own that part of me that wants to enjoy and be beautiful and honor my beauty and have it not be narcissistic, just like 
let it be a part of who I am. And that does still freak me out, like triggering people that aren't able to receive and have them have some sort of judgment about me. And just not have to apologize. Like just yeah. let them feel whatever they feel around me and whatever their judgments are to come up and not feel like I have to defend myself. Yeah, I just remember like every single thing that I've been judgmental over, I known to the ones I'm aware of, I know that eventually I was like, well, I really wanted that, and that's why I judged that person. So when yeah. I think about that, and I see and I, being judged, I'm like, well, they're probably going to hopefully it'll reach that point, too. And that's, yeah. why they're that's why they're paying so much attention to me, because they're the part of them that wants it. They want whatever that is. You know? Right, and that just calls to mind, like, I used to, um, like, dress and wear makeup and do my hair in such a way that I was trying to get attention. And then I moved to the complete opposite of, like, I, you know, I was taking a lot of plant medicines and just, like, doing so much yoga. Like, I became self-employed, and I, at this point, I was, like, not shaving my armpits, wasn't wearing any makeup, just, like, leaving everything pretty much natural. And I remember judging women who were wearing makeup, doing their hair, as, like, as just, like, oh, they haven't reached this point in their ascension where they accept themselves yeah. and judging them as being superficial, even though deep down I felt insecure around them. Uh-huh. And I wanted to wear makeup and I wanted to wear pretty things, but I thought that that would be like giving into some dark aspect of myself. Yeah. Until I came out to the other side, there's a balance of like, yeah, I don't need those things, but I like it. And it's because yeah. it's my femininity wants to express itself. And I don't, it's not coming from a place of like trying to please others i mean yeah of course everyone likes to be looked at but it's like i like this is how i want to show myself in the world and like i really enjoy it i like i like flowers and color and smells and like i just really enjoy it so now i see women who were where i was who don't wear makeup <laughs> and they're like looking at me like I'm superficial. Yeah. And I just have to like let go and just just let them be what, yeah. wherever they are and yeah. not let it mean anything about me. Yeah. Isn't that a mind fuck? I know, it's funny. <laughs> what makes you like, I mean, when you zoom out on that, it's like nothing really matters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the story. Nothing really matters. No, it really, I mean, like, like I really, I really like Alan Watts takes on on life and spirituality and like it's just like there's no i mean i just posted this the facebook like is a whole thing on how there is life is not a journey like there's nowhere to get to we're just right. doing stuff it's just life that's we're just doing the point stuff. of it we're just exactly. doing stuff for fun and where we enter these problems because there's a part of us that wants to deal with them and then we finish them and we laugh about it just like a mushroom trip exactly yeah. yeah that's such a trip and that that always brings me back to like exploring like duality and non-duality like why do i have this drive to be a healer <laughs> yeah i don't believe in healing well i think um who i forget who says this darsan or something like that um he says people um people don't need healing people need love yeah they just need to be loved like yeah. wherever they're at and and it's just that everything even the dark is just confused love yeah. So everything just needs to be left. Yeah. And so I think the gift of like going into dark places is that you can go in there, explore it, walk around, look at it, and then come out and be able to like love people wherever they are. Yeah. They're in their so darkness. That was there. interesting. 
Yeah. I just don't judge it. Yeah, because I think there's so many people in the spiritual world that are, like, addicted to healing. Like, there's, like, oh, they need to do the next thing. And they'll yeah. spend 20 years. I had this client once. She was an old, much older woman. And she was like, yeah, like, after, like, 40 years of spending all this money on every single healing thing, I was like, I think I'm healed. Yeah. <laughs> Who you are. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, it's like another one of my friends would always say that all of your problems are a game your soul created for your ego to play with. Yeah, and also I think that I think there's never anything to forgive. There's only something to understand. Hmm. And forgiveness comes naturally after understanding whatever it was that your soul, the game that your soul was trying to understand. Yeah. And, um, darkness and light, dark and light. All right. So darkness is not bad or wrong. It's just unconscious. We just don't understand it. It's something that we haven't explored, has yet to be explored. So the more we dive into these, um, pockets of consciousness and explore and bring the unconscious to the conscious, the more we realize our inherent fullness, but we were never not full before. Yeah. We just forgot. Yeah. And I think that's my definition. Yeah. Have you read um, A Course in Miracles? No, I've heard of it. I've heard. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's yeah. I think it's a little dry, but the whole it's the whole <laughs> idea. The whole idea. I mean, it's written like the Bible. The whole idea with lots of stories, but the whole thing is like healing is to be made whole, and like yeah. everything is what it is. That's probably a bad explanation, but yeah. Well, I think it's like what we were talking about yesterday, of like realizing our power. And the realization is that we're infinitely powerful and all these like mind games that we play on ourselves yeah. are just like ways that we get in our own way, but we're never really in our own way. It's just like. Yeah. Yeah, but I told you this, I, I think I told you this last time we spoke, but um, when I was on ayahuasca the second to last time, it told me not to do it. Yeah. And like part of the reasoning that, that the spirit were telling me was like the three dimensional regular world is really fun. And you're only there for a while. Like, so don't. Like, you it. can come back to infinity later. Right. Like, we don't want to enjoy, like, your time-bound life. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that. Because yeah. part of the thing that's, that I've struggled with is, like, that analogy of, like, you're on the shore and you go to swim to this island. It's, like, 20 miles. And you get 18 miles to it. And it decides to park and turn all the way back. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been an aspect of me that is, like, just on the verge of being asleep and on the verge of being awake and, like, have, like knowing that I am infinitely powerful, but also having this third-dimensional self that's, like, has all this fear about diving into experience. So then I would just deliberate not not choose to go into it. But I think that I, I was guided away from plant medicines also because it was, like, yeah, you came here to learn, to, like, go, like, be it, like, live the life be the ritual. Yeah. And if you didn't have problems, what would you do? Be bored. Exactly. Like, like, it's like, you know, paintings, right? What makes the, the reds and the purples and the greens pop out is the contrast. Yeah. If it was all light, there would be all light and there'd be, be nothing. Boring. There'd be nothing. There'd you be no stories. came here to experience contrast. Yeah, I had a friend who um did Vipassana, like, for... Black and white bag. That's such a serendipitous, yeah. like... Yeah, why is there a black and white plastic bag? Doesn't make sense. To show us like contrast. Yeah, I've been getting all these deja vu's. Actually, since Ista, like, I keep feeling like I just sent a text to someone this morning. I was like, I texted the exact conversation. Or something. 
I don't know. It's like these like little reminders of falling out of or remembering that we've done this before. Perhaps infinitely. Well, all space and time are one, so we're just re-experiencing something that's already happened. Yeah. Maybe with different words, just to keep it yeah. interesting. Well, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'll be in an experience, but I'll have a quick flash of a way that it went in the past, or like something mm. really ridiculous, really funny, or something that's mm. slightly off. And I think I'm just having a memory of a different way that I've lived it before. Maybe. Yeah, some say that's what deja vu is. But yeah, when I was younger, I used to always think... Um, Man, I wish I could do this over. Like, I wish I could do high school over. Like, I did this all wrong. I, I wish I just did yeah. it right. But like, recently, like the last couple of years, I, I feel like I'm doing it like the best way I've ever done it in any permutation yeah. of reality. Like, right. I kind of fucked this. I probably fucked up year 29 last time, but I'm doing it really well now. Right. Yeah. And I'm starting to see, like, with these the the experiences in life that I used to have a lot of shame around and like secrecy is like. Holy shit, I'm so glad that I did those things because now I'm on the other side of the dark night of the soul and now I have these, these jewels of wisdom that I could only have had by actually being in the experience of it. Yeah. Not by theorizing and read, reading about it or book by, but like having it. And now, now my life is like getting really good, like really interesting. Like, oh, now I can, now I can forget all that stuff and, and stop holding on to the story, right? Like, we live out the story like a play, and we think it's, like, real, but it's like, oh, that's just, like, a small aspect of how God was experiencing itself through me. So that now I can see from this broader perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun having an ego. Yeah, it was, it was, it's I, fun I, having I, an ego. I yeah. A, like, can we just enjoy our egos? Yeah. <laughs> that's why everyone's on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I had this friend who did Vipassana for, like, 10 months straight. Well, look at his temple. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Oh, this that's so sweet. We're about to, I think, on the part of the body. Um, I guess you're recording this. I can stop recording to yeah. like photos. Right? Yeah, you don't, you don't have a microphone anyway. Um, I had this friend who uh, did, he was in the military, rough time, and he was just like in an existential pit. He did Vipassana for 10 months straight, like Vipassana meditation, 10 hours a day for like almost a year yeah and he said by the end of it he felt like his ego was all like almost completely gone like he just would have been like consciousness in a body mm -hmm. and he was like no <laughs> like i don't want to like miss out on my ego because then i won't experience any of the worldly things that right. i ever so he was like he fought he's like in meditation he said he was fighting his way back into like real life and then i met him in a text workshop <laughs> he had more things to experience before he died yeah you know what um the first time that I went to an ayahuasca retreat in Peru, that my whole initial reason for wanting to go was I wanted to discover my life purpose. And I, you know, before I went there, I had never, I, I took mushrooms a couple times when I was a teenager. And at this point I was 24 and I like, um, just got distracted. I had, no, yeah, I'd never taken anything, you know, never done anything like this in my life. And I just was, like, living a normal, like, 3D life, and I was just, like, just not really bored and unfulfilled, you know? Mm -hmm. I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, am I supposed to, like, go back to school, or, like, where am I supposed to be living? Like, how am I supposed to travel? So I go there, and opened up a huge can of worms that I, like, was not anticipating, obviously. But I, uh, I, like, got into this, like, 
I was like, wait, the, the medicine was like showing me all the stuff. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. She pauses. And I'm like, I thought I was coming here to discover my life purpose, like having this conversation with her. And all of a sudden I'm in this like etheric elevator that like shoots me upwards into this different dimension. And the doors open. And I'm in this like kingdom with all these like sacred thrones in a circle. And there's all these different souls standing, like sitting in the thrones. And they're all like getting a download from their last life. And they're each holding sacred symbols in their being uh, that symbolize different lessons that they're understanding. And I, I got there and realized like, this is where you find out what you come, like what you came to earth to do. Mm. And I got scared and hit down on the elevator and went back down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like uh, we're all playing a simulation video game over and over again. So you just went back up to like the, the arcade. Huh? You went like back to the arcade where everyone's like. Yeah, like where people, people they, up there, they know what's going on. Yeah. They know what they come down to experience. They, and they, they carry, I think they carry the symbols of the lesson in their being so that it'll be activated when they come down into the playground yeah. earth. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, they all just, they, just the, the texture, the colors of the souls was just so just indescribable. So yeah, I came back down. I, just, I didn't want to know, I guess. Yeah. What did you do up there? Play another game. I think she was just showing me like, yeah, you came here to, you're, you're on point. You, like, came here to figure some shit out. <laughs> yeah. But if you knew it, you went back up and, like, figured out what you were supposed to come here and learn. be like, oh, game over. Then I would have died. Like, you know you hear of, like, people dying in ayahuasca ceremonies? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they just realize there's no point to them having this life anymore. Maybe, like, actually dying in their body. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of that. You haven't? No. I've heard of that. Yeah, but I do think when someone's on drugs and dies, that's probably their experience. I had a friend who almost OD'd. I think it was on heroin. Like she said, she was like she said like she was in this stupor, but she can see her like energy body leaving her body, and it was like hanging out by a string. And she's like, if that string break broke, she needs to die and not come back. Yeah. And like in real life, she was probably like close to dying. Um, and then she just like pulled herself back, and then she like woke up, and she's still with us today. But that's probably that's probably the experience. Someone. Or died in their sleep, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, I think we have a power because we decide we are the ones that decided to come here. We decided what our lessons were. And it was also just like the natural trajectory of whatever oh, soul was. Yeah, yeah, into this not reality. Oh, yeah, not reality. <laughs> I'm a different level of choosing <laughs> to Bali. It's a different plan. All right, two weeks later. Has it been two weeks? Yeah, it's been two weeks. Yeah, two weeks since you last heard our voice a second ago. Two weeks in our time. Crazy. Yeah, so we finished this uh, level two, and then we hung out in Bali for like another week. Yeah, wow. Has it been a week that we've been hanging out in Bali? Yeah, something like that. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Time flies and you're doing stuff. So what have we learned? What have we (laughs) learned? I mean, what a question. Um, I think... There's so much to that, but I was realizing today for myself that um, 
a lot of the things that I learned were indirect. Mm-hmm. And um, I came here to receive a lot more than I um, just received differently than I thought mm-hmm. I was supposed to. You know, I came here with a egotistical agenda, which is not wrong. It was a good agenda. Yeah. But I was shown otherwise. So. Can you hold on one sec? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know, like, where to begin, so. Um, well, I learned something. I noticed something about myself the last two days. Because, of course, the the course carries on into your life. Right. Um, I think I noticed that I... Oh, so, so I went into the course in the way that I always feel in group situations. It's like, I need to not be a loner. I need to prove something. I need to make sure I'm not the shy guy or whatever, um, which is a really old story for me, which hasn't actually happened in a long time. Uh-huh. But I realized one way I prevent that fear from happening is connecting with women and like mm. proving that I'm attractive to myself and to people. Um, and then I don't feel like a loser. Uh, and I kind of, I, I told, told you this, like in the course, like I kind of felt like I was, it was kind of like sugary and not nourishing connections. You know, I was having a lot of fun. Right. And then flash forward to a few days ago, someone said, I'm attracted to you, but I don't really feel your heart. And I was already thinking like, oh, like I'm seducing her, but I'm not really connecting. And that's mm-hmm. not really what I want to do. So the last 48 hours, I've been really pondering how my whole life I've been trying to be attractive to women. Like my almost my entire narrative has been like based on this like need, this feeling, this insecurity. And maybe that's been handled a long time ago. And what I, what is blocking me from now is like, being vulnerable to the level that I want to be. I mean, that's what I see. I think you're so just such a dynamic person and with so much to offer that it's like maybe these tools that you put in place in, you know, a long time ago to try and figure out where you were, you were, you know, supposedly falling short. It's like, you can let go of the training wheels now because your actual character and the person who you are on the inside and, and the outside is like, you know, it's great. You're, I mean, you're, you're magnetizing without all that shit. And I think that you can connect on a deeper level without those tactics. Yeah. Well, it's not like, yeah. Uh, okay. It's not, like, <laughs> well, it's not like tactics. It's not like, a, I mean, I just like put a heavy emphasis on being seductive and not right. being connectable as much as I want right. to be. So that's one thing I'm pondering. Yeah. Pondering Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, for me, wow. Um, you know, it's like you—you kind of hear about this in the in the healing community, but I didn't really apply it to myself or see it this way. But I realized um, one of the biggest gifts, one of the things that I'm leaving behind, is uh, other people's pain that I've been carrying in my body. I've been doing a lot of soul work. Um, we did a mushroom trip yesterday. We did a mushroom trip. Or two trip. days ago. Yeah. And I knew that there was something I needed to unravel and look at. And what it was is basically I can see my family dynamics so clearly. And um, I've been basically walking on eggshells trying to keep this very clear thing, like a secret and feeling everyone's feelings about it and just keeping it all wrapped up inside of me where it's safe and not talking about it and not being, you know, taking care of me because I want to carry everyone else's bullshit. Um, because the subconscious belief was that I'm the only one that's strong enough to do, to do this work. And, uh, that's really not fair for myself. And it's been blocking me, um, from being able to feel myself clearly and, yeah, 
and to yeah. love people and, and let them love me back. Yeah. So during the mushroom trip, well, first of all, we took a very, very small amount. Yeah. We, we were planning on doing a very light dose and then half the mushrooms went bad because we left them out of the fridge and we split like half of a small dose and it took like three hours for the mushrooms to kick in like i mean i was feeling it but it wasn't until like you were like i'm feeling it now i was like hmm and then like 30 seconds after you said that i'm like whoa yeah because like, like an hour later nothing had happened i was like let's just go to dinner i'll we'll bike into town and like halfway through dinner i was just like fuck i'm tripping balls yeah <laughs> um but anyway we went back and then our friend who does EFT, gave you an EFT session to help you move through stuff. And I was just watching. But in just watching you and, like, you were saying stuff about, like, no longer carrying your your family's pain, mm -hmm. it was really – like, it really affected me. I kind of in the opposite way. I was like, wait, do I not carry my family's pain enough? Like, am I ah! being am I being too selfish there? <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Yeah, so I, 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 cause I don't really think about, like, my family's pain at all. Well, that's the thing is, like, I never really thought about it, but I didn't realize, like – all this, all these very heavy emotions that I felt just like running in the background, like a noisy refrigerator mm. were not mine, mm. like totally not mine. And I had to like sever those ties. And like, um, I've had some waves of my own emotions come up after that, like, um, of, of anger, but I feel so relieved and clear and in my body and not responsible for people's shit. And I feel very light. Like today I went and I just took myself like shopping, walked around, looked at things. I ate at two different restaurants and I just was like on my motorcycle, like yelling, fuck yeah, like down the road and just like feeling so good and clear that I can actually go home and do whatever I want. And and that brings me to like the next point of like, we came out here to create um, like a work, an online workshop together and um, I realized that to create this feminine content from a masculine way of like getting it done and doing it and what I've actually come to realize is like since I've been really uh receiving on a deep deep level since I've been here is that this course is going to be born naturally out of my deep receiving of like teaching women the path that I'm now walking and um you know it's like what's beyond um like you know, managing being abused, like what's, what's beyond that? What's like total healing? What is like completely, complete freedom? Like your soul is completely clear of anyone else's garbage and embracing life and making it beautiful. And so that's where I'm at right now. And I'm, I'm not feeling pressured to do that. And it feels so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about, um, yeah, even so, uh, not to get into this, but you had an example when we were talking about like relating with someone, like a dating situation. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the details, but uh, something about uh, feeling the right way is what gives you the right words, even when you're flirting with someone by text. And I was thinking, like, that kind of relates to everything creative. Like, if yeah. you feel the right way, you come up with the right shit. But if you're trying to like come up with the right words, or the right action without the feeling, it doesn't come out right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's that's that whole thing about being in alignment and um i really loved what kafkan said about what makes something sacred and what kafkan is one of the teachers one of the facilitators yeah and what really makes something sacred is when your heart your mind your body your feelings everything is all in alignment and it, that's how you know it's your truth and you're moving and acting and creating from that space and that is sacredness and so that goes back to everything that's 
that's sacred sexuality, that's like clear communication, that's art, that's music that like really sings to your soul. It's anything that is completely in alignment. That's what makes it sacred. Yeah, I didn't cry all week until the very last like dance break when the Aerosmith song came on. <laughs> and then I, close my and I was just like, this is the best. How come I never appreciated this song? I, I, the tears <laughs> were just like, but I think it was like the, the welling up of emotions from the yeah. week. And I just needed, I needed Steven Tyler to just give me a little kick in the heart. So what do you, do you, like, do you feel different after this retreat and this time, period of time? Like, <sighs> is there anything that you feel like was like a significant realization or opening for you? Um... Not as much as level one. Like in level one, I had a, a dramatic like cry and thinking about my mom and stuff. Like this was more subtle mm-hmm. and like looking at just realizing that I think and calculate a lot. Like that was a big thing. Like I'm always planning. I'm always like, yeah, like one thing I shared with the group was that it's not that I'm, I try to be fearless in the unknown. I think there's some level to that, but it, part of it is just like I plan really well for the future. Yeah. So I'm, and it's not really like I'm diving into life in like a spiritual sense that I mm. mean to, not to the degree at least that I mean to. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of tweaking and stuff. I don't know. I'm still, I still, because like I went away to Sedona for two weeks after level one. And I think I need, I'm here in Bali, like kind of integrating still. Yeah. Like this thing with my heart, I just realized two days ago and we've been out of the retreat for a week. So I think I'll have more, I'll have more things come up. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it never stops, but I think that these retreats is like brings us into these deeper waves of looking at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And actually something I'm really realizing right now in this moment, the whole piece for me about like letting go of other people's pain is that um, so many retreats I've been to and so many relationships that have taught me lessons, it's like processing the same fucking thing. And I was like, how... When am I going to get past this? When am I going to get over it? How long am I going to have to process mm-hmm. it? And what I realized is like, this is not mine to process. That's why I can't process it. This is other people's garbage and bullshit. Yeah. And so then I'm like, oh, really? I really like I can just like let it go and like yeah. I don't have to feel like not worthwhile anymore. Okay, sweet. Because I wasn't the person that made me feel that way. Yeah, else you got to be more selfish. Exactly. Yes. So let's let's make a distinction right here, right now, between the difference between being selfish and being self-centered. Selfish is something where you're not taking anyone else's feelings or needs into consideration in a group setting. Self-centeredness is when you are in your center and doing what's in alignment and best for you, and what is best for you ultimately is best for everyone. So it's a huge distinction, and I used to have a lot of shame around feeling like I was being selfish. I was told I was selfish as a child for asking anything. You have an ant in your hair. There's an ant in my hair. <laughs> and um, really, like, you know, you always hear this, like, love yourself, like, spoil yourself, like, do what's best for you. And, like, we all know that, right? But, like, to really embody that and be like, no, like, I fucking love this temple that I live in and this being that lives in here. And um, it's up to me to love her fearlessly and, and fiercely. Yeah, I'd actually say the spoiler self usually comes from companies trying to get you to buy shit. Because I feel like if you love yourself, you don't really need a whole lot. You know, yeah, but sometimes so. I do. I mean, I took myself out to eat twice today. But I mean, yeah, it's like so. my last day in Bali. So yeah, yeah, yeah like, but you got to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I bought two. Dr- I bought a couple dresses, and I. 
Yeah, you yeah. got you got to wear clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like to excess anyway. Anyway. Well, actually, you know what? I mean, this is something I forgot about. It's like when I was in the cult, like one of the things that was most beneficial was living in community. Mm-hmm. And this these this last like week and a half, we've been living in community with some of the people from the class, and I think that's just as useful as the retreats. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me we've been having a sharing circle every morning where each person gets four or five minutes to talk about whatever's coming up for them and to just really sink in and, and share and so we did that every morning at the retreat and then we continued that yeah as we and you also community. get reflection and I think just like being around people who get you and like are aligned with your values and like can support you in your growth. Like yeah. ranting of like random roommates. And I've always loved my, I've always had pretty good roommates, but like a random roommate wouldn't like support me in emotional release or if right. I, if I wanted to deal with something or like they, maybe they'd coddle me or be codependent or something. Like right. Being around people who are actually doing this stuff. Like, like I just realized this year, like I can learn more from someone living with them for a couple weeks than taking all of their workshops. Not that I, I still believe in workshops. Right. Like there's something like this is how people in tribal days learn from each other. Right. Just hung out with somebody. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, like I've learned from you. I mean, I've grown exponentially on this trip. Like even as in terms of like trusting myself on such a deep level. Like I've been riding a scooter all around Ubud. Like I've le- been learning my own way and like just get internet when I need it and, you know, learning how to, to talk to just the whole thing has been, you know, really, um, supporting my independence. Yeah. And, um, and just watching kind of the way you do things. I'm like, Oh, it's like, giving oh, thanks. Me, yeah. Giving <laughs> me like the possibility, creating possibilities for myself to do things differently. I mean, things that come naturally for you don't come so naturally for me. So just watching you and then trying it, I'm like, Oh, it's not that hard. I've just been like creating a story in my head that it's like hard or something like that. You mean like scootering? Um, just the way that you, like, I'll, like, create, like, I don't have, like, a, a very good example, but, like, I'll create a story in my head about an obstacle, mm-hmm. and I'll make it a, into a big deal in my head, and you'll be like, oh, we'll just do this, and you just make it seem so simple, mm-hmm. and you'll just, like, fix it, and you're also, like, a lot better with, like, technology and stuff like that, but you just have a way about you that I admire. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's been so fun. <laughs> it hasn't been that fun for me actually <laughs> to tell you the truth can i go into the anger yeah yeah thing? go into it yeah um, it's been fun for me just for <laughs> like i think like for women in i mean everyone in our culture but especially women like um they're looked at as being a bitch if they have um anger coming up and for me um i had a lot of i have currently have a lot of pent-up rage from uh, carrying other people's shit and not being able to fill my own. So since I've been here, it's been coming out in waves. Little things trigger me and then I freak out. Um, And that's been like really, really scary for me to tap into. But it's because I have the strength of this community and my friends and really relating authentically where they're not judging me for having my anger come up and they're not taking responsibility for it. They know it's not about them. Yeah. That's been really cool. Like, I don't think I could just do that with any of my friends back home necessarily. I mean, they probably would just get sick of it. You know, they don't have the the context to understand it. And so that, that part has not been fun. Okay. okay. Like dealing with pent up <laughs> anger. It's like where like the smallest thing is like, just ticks me off to like no end, but it's good because these triggers are actually like, like, 
uh, letting letting some of the steam out of like the volcano. <laughs> uh, it's been yeah. When you were processing like through like when we were tripping and you're doing the EFT session, I was laying on the floor and looking up at you guys and you're kind of like silhouettes and I was like, I'm watching the theater of life and like yeah. and like you were like you know bugging out over this and that. I was like wow I, like I just like I love watching life happen. Yeah. So. I'm sorry you didn't have fun, but I no, had fun. It's, well, I had fun watching you not have fun. This has prepared me to have fun, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I promise you, I'm gonna have so much fun when I get home. Woo, woo! Yay for fun! Don't forget your joy, people. Yeah, people. Whoever watches <laughs> this person. <laughs> cool. So, what's next for you? I might not see you for a while. I know. Um, I'm gonna go home and uh work and play and sing music and date and love my friends and go out and enjoy my new wardrobe and clothes and make good food and love on my dog and sweet to live in life live in life and yeah. i'm going to ista level two, level one um again in eugene oregon in yeah. about three weeks so redoing that course not redoing but doing it moving into it deeper with the tools that i learned in level two yeah that's yeah, one thing i like about ista that there's only three levels. It's only three weeks. When you think about it, that's not a lot of curriculum, but you're kind of meant to do them over because each time is different. Right. And you're different each time. Yeah. Yeah. And and so what's next for you? Um, well, I'm going to hang out in Bali for the rest of the month, and then I'm going to go back to Thailand, and I'm probably going to travel with a lover friend. I don't know if I want to say all this on yeah. <laughs> <Podcast>. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna hang out. I've been Asia. splitting all my shit. I, I know, but yeah, I don't know who's listening to this. Um, yeah, and then I'm gonna be in Asia. I think the rest of the year until I have a reason to come back to America, which will probably be work related or family related. Well, I honestly feel like um, now that this is like been our fourth training together, and we've been like living together for the last couple weeks. Um, like, I feel like you're going to be my friend for life. Yeah. And so... Yeah, we're we'll, definitely going to live in community again. Yeah. We'll meet up sometime, somewhere, and I really feel like I've been to enough countries now that the world really feels like a, a, a big, but it's also a small place. Oh, my friend Summer's here. You may know Summer from a previous episode on the podcast. Do you feel complete? Um. Yeah, I do. I okay. love you. I love you, too. <laughs> I love you, too, people listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media, at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.